Section 17 of Our National Parks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Our National Parks by John Muir. Chapter 9, Part 1 The Sequoia and General Grant National Parks. The Big Tree, Sequoia Gigantea, is nature's forest masterpiece, and so far as I know, the greatest of living things. It belongs to an ancient stock, as its remains in old rocks show, and has a strange air of other days about it, a thoroughbred look inherited from the long ago, the old lang syne of trees. Once the genus was common, and with many species flourished in the now desolate Arctic regions, in the interior of North America and in Europe, but in long eventful wanderings from climate to climate, only two species have survived the hardships they had to encounter, the Gigantia and the Sempervirens, the former now restricted to the western slopes of the Sierra, the other to the coast mountains, and both to California, excepting a few groves of redwood which extend into Oregon. The Pacific coast in general is the paradise of conifers. Here nearly all of them are giants, and display a beauty and magnificence unknown elsewhere. The climate is mild, the ground never freezes, the moisture and sunshine abound all the year. Nevertheless, it is not easy to account for the colossal size of the sequoias. The largest are about 300 feet high and 30 feet in diameter. Who, of all the dwellers of the plains and prairies and fertile home forests of round-headed oak and maple, hickory and elm, ever dreamed that earth could bear such growths? Trees that the familiar pines and firs seem to know nothing about, lonely silent serene with the physiognomy almost godlike and so old thousands of them still living had already counted their years by tens of centuries when columbus set sail from spain and were in their vigor of youth or middle age when the star led the chaldean sages to the infant savior's cradle as far as man is concerned they are the same yesterday today and forever emblems of permanence no description can give an adequate idea of their singular majesty much less their beauty excepting the sugar pine most of their neighbors with pointed tops seem to be forever shouting excelsior while the big tree though soaring above them all seems satisfied its rounded head poised lightly as a cloud giving no impression of trying to go higher only in youth does it show like other conifers a heavenward yearning keenly aspiring with a long quick growing top indeed the whole tree for the first century or two or until a hundred to a hundred and fifty feet high is arrowhead in form and compared with the solemn rigidity of age is as sensitive to the wind as a squirrel tail the lower branches are gradually dropped as it grows older and the upper ones thinned out until comparatively few are left these however are developed to a great size divide again and again and terminate in bossy rounded masses of leafy branchlets while the head becomes dome-shaped 
then poised in fullness of strength and beauty stern and solemn and mean it glows with eager enthusiastic life quivering to the tip of every leaf and branch and far-reaching root calm as a granite dome the first to feel the touch of the rosy beams of the morning the last to bid the sun good night perfect specimens unhurt by running fires or lightning are singularly regular and symmetrical in general form though not at all conventional showing infinite variety in sure unity and harmony of plan the immensely strong stately shafts with rich purplish-brown bark are free of limbs for a hundred and fifty feet or so though dense tufts of sprays occur here and there producing an ornamental effect while long parallel furrows give a fluted columnar appearance it shoots forth its limbs with equal boldness in every direction showing no weather side on the old trees the main branches are crooked and rugged and strike rigidly outward mostly at right angles from the trunk but there is always a certain measured restraint in their reach which keeps them within bounds no other sierra tree has foliage so densely massed or outlined so finely firmly drawn and so obediently subordinate to an ideal type a particularly knotty angular ungovernable looking branch five to eight feet in diameter and perhaps a thousand years old may occasionally be seen pushing out from the trunk as if determined to break across the bounds of the regular curve but like all the others as soon as the general outline is approached the huge limb dissolves into massy bosses of branchlets and sprays as if the tree were growing beneath an invisible bell glass against the sides of which the branches were moulded while many small varied departures from the ideal form give the impression of freedom to grow as they like except in picturesque old age after being struck by lightning and broken by a thousand snowstorms this regularity of form is one of the big tree's most distinguishing characteristics another is the simple sculptural beauty of the trunk and its great thickness as compared with its height and the width of its branches many of them being from eight to ten feet in diameter at a height of two hundred feet from the ground and seeming more like finely modelled and sculptured architectural columns than the stems of trees while the great strong limbs are like rafters supporting the magnificent dome head the root system corresponds in magnitude with the other dimensions of the tree forming a flat far-reaching spongy network two hundred feet or more in width without any taproot and the instep is so grand and fine so suggestive of endless strength it is long ere the eye is released to look above it the natural swell of the roots though at first sight excessive gives rise to buttresses no greater than are required for beauty as well as strength as at once appears when you stand back far enough to see the whole tree in its true proportions the fineness of the taper of the trunk is shown by its thickness at great heights a diameter of ten feet at a height of two hundred being as we have seen not uncommon indeed the boles of but few trees hold their thickness as well as sequoia 
resolute consummate determined in form always beheld with wondering admiration the big tree always seems unfamiliar standing alone unrelated with peculiar physiognomy awfully solemn and earnest nevertheless there is nothing alien in its looks the madrona clad in thin smooth red and yellow bark and big glossy leaves seems in the dark coniferous forests of washington and vancouver island like some lost wanderer from the magnolia groves of the south while the sequoia with all its strangeness seems more at home than any of its neighbors holding the best right to the ground as the oldest strongest inhabitant one soon becomes acquainted with new species of pine and fir spruce as with friendly people shaking their outstretched branches like shaking hands and fondling their beautiful little ones while the venerable aboriginal sequoia ancient of other days keeps you at a distance taking no notice of you speaking only to the winds thinking only of the sky looking as strange in aspect and behavior among the neighboring trees as would a mastodon or a hairy elephant among the homely bears and deer only the sierra juniper is at all like it standing rigid and unconquerable on glacial pavements for thousands of years grim rusty silent uncommunicative with an air of antiquity about as pronounced as that so characteristic of sequoia the bark of full-grown trees is from one to two feet thick rich cinnamon brown purplish on young trees and shady parts of the old forming magnificent masses of color with the underbrush and beds of flowers toward the end of winter the trees themselves bloom while the snow is still eight or ten feet deep the pistillate flowers are about three-eighths of an inch long pale green and grow in countless thousands on the ends of the sprays the staminate are still more abundant pale yellow a fourth of an inch long and when the golden pollen is ripe they color the whole tree and dust the air and the ground far and near the cones are bright grass green in color about two and a half inches long one and a half wide and are made up of thirty or forty strong closely packed rhomboidal scales with four to eight seeds at the base of each the seeds are extremely small and light being only from an eighth to a fourth of an inch long and wide including a filmy surrounding wing which causes them to glint and waver in falling and enables the wind to carry them considerable distances from the tree the faint lisp of snowflakes as they alight is one of the smallest sounds mortal can hear the sound of falling sequoia seeds even when they happen to strike on flat leaves or flakes of bark is about as faint very different is the bumping and thudding of the falling cones most of them are cut off by the douglas squirrel and stored for the sake of the seeds small as they are in the calm indian summer these busy harvesters with ivory sickles go to work early in the morning as soon as breakfast is over and nearly all day the ripe cones fall in a steady pattering bumping shower unless harvested in this way they discharge their seeds and remain on the tree for many years in fruitful seasons the trees are fairly laden on two small specimen branches one and a half and two inches in diameter i counted four hundred and eighty cones 
no other california conifer produces nearly so many seeds excepting perhaps its relative the redwood of the coast mountains millions are ripened annually by a single tree and the product of one of the main groves in a fruitful year would suffice to plant all the mountain ranges of the world the dense tufted sprays make snug nesting places for birds and in some of the loftiest leafiest towers of verdu thousands of generations have been reared the great solemn trees shedding off flocks of merry singers every year from nests like the flocks of winged seeds from the cones the big tree keeps its youth far longer than any of its neighbors most silver firs are old in their second and third centuries pines in their fourth or fifth while the big tree growing beside them is still in the bloom of its youth juvenile in every feature at the age of old pines and cannot be said to attain anything like prime size and beauty before its fifteen hundredth year or under favorable circumstances become old before its three thousandth many no doubt are much older than this on one of the king's river giants thirty-five feet and eight inches in diameter exclusive of bark i counted upwards of four thousand annual wood rings in which there was no trace of decay after all these centuries of mountain weather there is no absolute limit to the existence of any tree their death is due to accidents not as of animals to the wearing out of organs only the leaves die of old age their fall is foretold in their structure but the leaves are renewed every year and so also are the other essential organs wood roots bark buds most of the sierra trees die of disease thus the magnificent silver firs are devoured by fungi and comparatively few of them live to see their three hundredth birth year but nothing hurts the big trees i never saw one that was sick or showed the slightest sign of decay it lives on through indefinite thousands of years until burned blown down undermined or shattered by some tremendous lightning stroke no ordinary bolt ever seriously hurts sequoia in all my walks i have seen only one that was thus killed outright lightning though rare in the california lowlands is common on the sierra almost every day in june and july small thunderstorms refresh the main forest belt clouds like snowy mountains of marvellous beauty grow rapidly in the calm sky about midday and cast cooling shadows and showers that seldom last more than an hour nevertheless these brief kind storms wound or kill a good many trees i have seen silver firs two hundred feet high split into long peeled rails and slivers down to the roots leaving not even a stump the rails radiating like the spokes of a wheel from a hole in the ground where the tree stood but the sequoia instead of being split and slivered usually has forty or fifty feet of its brash knotty top smashed off in short chunks about the size of cordwood the beautiful rosy red ruins covering the ground in a circle a hundred feet wide or more i never saw any that had been cut down to the ground or even to below the branches except one in the stanislaus grove about twelve feet in diameter the greater part of which was smashed to fragments leaving only a leafless stump about seventy-five feet high it is a curious fact that all the very old sequoias have lost their heads by lightning all things come to him who waits 
but of all living things sequoia is perhaps the only one able to wait long enough to make sure of being struck by lightning thousands of years it stands ready and waiting offering its head to every passing cloud as if inviting its fate praying for heaven's fire as a blessing and when at last the old head is off another of the same shape immediately begins to grow on every bud and branch seems excited like bees that have lost their queen and tries hard to repair the damage branches that for many centuries have been growing out horizontally at once turn upward and all their branchlets arrange themselves with reference to a new top of the same peculiar curve as the old one even the small subordinate branches halfway down the trunk do their best to push up to the top and help this curious head-making the great age of these noble trees is even more wonderful than their huge size standing bravely up millennium in millennium out to all that fortune may bring them triumphant over tempest and fire and time fruitful and beautiful giving food and shelter to multitudes of small fleeting creatures dependent upon their bounty other trees may claim to be about as large or as old australian gums senegal baobabs mexican taxodiums english yews and venerable lebanon cedars trees of renown some of which are from ten to thirty feet in diameter we read of oaks that are supposed to have existed ever since the creation but strange to say i can find no definite accounts of the age of any of these trees but only estimates based on tradition and assumed average rates of growth no other known tree approaches the sequoia in grandeur height and thickness being considered and none as far as i know has looked down on so many centuries or opens such impressive and suggestive views of history the majestic monument of the king's river forest is as we have seen fully four thousand years old and measuring the rings of annual growth we find it was no less than twenty-seven feet in diameter at the beginning of the christian era while many observations lead me to expect the discovery of others ten or twenty centuries older as to those of moderate age there are thousands mere youth as yet that saw the light that shone on mohammed's uplifted crescent on many a royal gilded throne the deed forgotten in the present saw the age of sacred trees and druid groves and mystic larches and saw from forest domes like these the builder bring his gothic arches great trees and groves used to be venerated as sacred monuments and halls of council and worship but soon after the discovery of the calaveras grove one of the grandest trees was cut down for the sake of a stump the laborious vandals had seen the biggest tree in the world then forsooth they must try to see the biggest stump and dance on it the growth in height for the first two centuries is usually at a rate of eight to ten inches a year of course all the very large trees are old but those equal in size may vary greatly in age on account of variations in soil closeness or openness of growth etc 
thus a tree about ten feet in diameter that grew on the side of a meadow was according to my own count of the wood rings only two hundred and fifty-nine years old at the time it was felled while another in the same grove of almost exactly the same size but less favorably situated was fourteen hundred and forty years old the calaveras tree cut for a dance floor was twenty-four feet in diameter and only thirteen hundred years old another about the same size was a thousand years older the following sequoia notes and measurements are copied from my notebooks diameter one and three-quarter inches height ten feet age seven years diameter five inches height twenty-four feet age twenty years diameter five inches height twenty-five feet age forty-one years diameter six inches height twenty-five feet age sixty-six years diameter six inches height twenty-eight and a half feet age thirty-nine years diameter eight inches height twenty-five feet age twenty-nine years diameter eleven inches height forty-five feet age seventy-one years diameter one foot height sixty feet age seventy-one years diameter three feet two inches height one hundred and fifty-six feet age two hundred and sixty years diameter six feet height one hundred and ninety-two feet age two hundred and forty years diameter seven feet three inches height one hundred and ninety five feet age three hundred and thirty nine years height seven feet three inches height two hundred and fifty five feet age five hundred and six years diameter seven feet six inches height two hundred and forty feet age four hundred and ninety three years diameter seven feet seven inches height two hundred and seven feet age four hundred and twenty four years diameter nine feet height two hundred and forty three feet age two hundred and fifty nine years diameter nine feet three inches height two hundred and twenty two feet age two hundred and eighty years diameter ten feet six inches no height recorded age one thousand four hundred and forty years the rest of the measurements in this chart omit the height of the tree diameter twelve feet age one thousand eight hundred and twenty five years diameter fifteen feet age two thousand one hundred and fifty years diameter twenty four feet age thirteen hundred years diameter twenty five feet age two thousand three hundred years diameter thirty five feet eight inches inside the bark aged over four thousand years little however is to be learned in confused hurried tourist trips spending only a poor noisy hour in the branded grove with a guide you should go looking and listening alone on long walks through the wild forests and groves in all the seasons of the year in the spring the winds are balmy and sweet 
blowing up and down over great beds of chaparral and through the woods now rich in softening balsam and rosin and the scent of steaming earth the sky is mostly sunshine oftentimes tempered by magnificent clouds the breath of the sea built up into new mountain ranges warm during the day cool at night good flower-opening weather the young cones of the big trees are showing in clusters their flower-time already past and here and there you may see the sprouting of their tiny seeds of the previous autumn taking their first feeble hold of the ground and unpacking their tender whorls of cotyledon leaves then you will naturally be led on to consider their wonderful growth up and up through the mountain weather now buried in snow bent and crinkled now straightening in summer sunshine like uncoiling ferns shooting eagerly aloft in youth's joyful prime and towering serene and satisfied through countless years of calm and storm the greatest of plants and all but immortal under the huge trees up come the small plant people putting forth fresh leaves and blossoming in such profusion that the hills and valleys would still seem gloriously rich and glad were all the grand trees away by the side of melting snowbanks rise the crimson sarcades round-topped and massive as the sequoias themselves and beds of blue violets and larger yellow ones with leaves curiously lobed azalea and saxifrage daisies and lilies on the mossy banks of the streams and a little way back of them beneath the trees and on sunny spots on the hills around the groves wild rose and rubus spirea and ribes metella tirella campanula monardella forget-me-not etc many of them as worthy of lore immortality as the famous scotch daisy wanting only a burns to sing them home to all hearts in the midst of this glad plant work the birds are busy nesting some singing at their work some silent others especially the big pileated woodpeckers about as noisy as backwoodsmen building their cabins then every bower in the groves is a bridal bower the winds murmur softly overhead the streams sing with the birds while from far off waterfalls and thunderclouds come deep rolling organ notes in summer the days go by in almost constant brightness cloudless sunshine pouring over the forest roof while in the shady depths there is the subdued light of perpetual morning the new leaves and cones are growing fast and make a grand show seeds are ripening young birds learning to fly and with myriads of insects glad as birds keep the air whirling joy in every wing beat their humming and singing blending with the gentle eyeing of the winds while at evening every thicket and grove is enchanted by the tranquil chirping of the blessed hylas the sweetest and most peaceful of sounds telling the very heart-joy of earth as it rolls through the heavens in the autumn the sighing of the winds is softer than ever the gentle ah-eyeing filling the sky with a fine universal mist of music the birds have little to say and there is no appreciable stir or rustling among the trees save that caused by the harvesting squirrels most of the seeds are ripe and away those of the trees mottling the sunny air glinting glancing through the midst of merry insect people rocks and trees everything alike drenched in gold light 
heaven's colors coming down to the meadows and groves making every leaf a romance air earth and water in peace beyond thought the great brooding days opening and closing in divine psalms of color winter comes suddenly arrayed in storms though to mountaineers silky streamers on the peaks and the tones of the wind give sufficient warning you hear strange whisperings among the treetops as if the giants were taking counsel together one after another nodding and swaying calling and replying spreads the news until all with one accord break forth into glorious song welcoming the first grand snowstorm of the year and looming up in the dim clouds and snowdrifts like lighthouse towers in flying scud and spray studying the behavior of the giants from some friendly shelter you will see that even in the glow of their wildest enthusiasm when the storm roars loudest they never lose their godlike composure never toss their arms or bow or wave like the pines but only slowly solemnly nod and sway standing erect making no sign of strife none of rest neither in alliance nor at war with the winds too calmly unconsciously noble and strong to strive with or bid defiance to anything owing to the density of the leafy branchlets and great breadth of the head the big tree carries a much heavier load of snow than any of its neighbors and after a storm when the sky clears the laden trees are a glorious spectacle worth any amount of cold camping to see every bossy limb and crown is solid white and the immense height of the giants becomes visible as the eye travels the white steps of the colossal tower each relieved by a mass of blue shadow in midwinter the forest depths are as fresh and pure as the crevices and caves of glaciers grouse nuthatches a few woodpeckers and other hardy birds dwell in the groves all winter and the squirrels may be seen every clear day frisking about lively as ever tunneling to their stores never coming up empty-mouthed diving in the loose snow about as quickly as ducks in water while storms and sunshine sing to each other one of the noblest and most beautiful of the late winter sights is the blossoming of the big tree like gigantic golden rods and the sowing of their pollen over all the forest and the snow-covered ground a most glorious view of nature's immortal virility and flower love end of section seventeen